the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satira Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Larry's taking some time off, and Dina Arna is back in studio with us here today. Welcome, Dina. Good to see you. So good to see you. Ha- um, I guess Happy New Year. I haven't seen you this year. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Well, it's been a while, but it's been a Happy sure Valentine's long. Day. Oh, man, yeah. It's been a bit. All the, st- all the stuff. All the stuff. All the well, stuff. we're sure glad you're here today. And what are we talking about? What are we doing? Are we going to have fun? Well, you know, we might talk about the market a little bit, you okay. think? Yeah, kind of important. Uh, it is. It is. The markets have been struggling. Um, uh, we've pretty much come off the, the highs that we saw in this past November. And it's been a real struggle so far for 2022. And this past week was, was another tough week. The Dow fell 1.9%. Uh, that index is down six and a quarter for the year. The S&P fell one and a half percent. The S&P is down eight and three quarters for the year. And the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ lost one and three quarters this week. The NASDAQ's the big loser this time, uh, down 13 and a half percent for the year. Remember all the times we've we've had this show and I would give you the numbers and I would tell you, oh, the NASDAQ's the big winner. It was outperforming oh, yeah, it's been... both other major indices. Well, that tide has turned and it's turned in large part due to inflationary pressures. I know Larry's talked about this on the show a number of times, inflation hurts long-dated producing companies much harder than it produces companies that create things more quickly. So if I've got a company that manufactures widgets and it takes them six weeks to manufacture a widget, they're doing pretty much just-in-time inventory. They'll bring in the supplies they need to produce this batch of widgets. They'll get them out the door, and it'll keep circling like this. So the current prices reflect what's happening today 
But if it takes me nine months to build a widget Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to bring in all of those supplies today for a product that is going to be finished and on the shelves available for purchase nine months from now, I've got potentially a problem with the cost of my supplies. And that trickles down. If I make those widgets and I'm looking to make a profit margin of 30% for everyone that I sell, but my cost of goods is going up by 10%, am I going to absorb that? Probably not. I'm probably going to pass it on to the widget buyers. Of course. That's inflation. Yeah. And we're seeing that. And and we're seeing that across all kinds of industries. If you've gone out and tried to buy a used car lately, boy, that's an industry that has really seen price inflation. But if you're going out trying to buy a new car, they may tell you it's going to take us three months to get you delivery on your new car because we're waiting for chips from China. Yeah, that's been going on for a long time now. It has. So so the inflation problem has got, as I see it, two prongs to it. We're, we're, we've got inflation for two reasons. First of all, the obvious one. In, in the wake of the COVID recession that happened in 2020, the Fed and Congress just plowed money into the system. Mm-hmm. The Fed lowered interest rates back to almost zero. Congress put forth all sorts of extra unemployment benefits, all sorts of stimulus checks, and this money just flooded into the system. Back in the wake of the 08 recession, we were all concerned that we'd have this, what Larry called a a tsunami of inflation, this big wall of inflation that would hit us because of all the monetary and fiscal stimulus that, that we just flooded into the markets, that flooded into uh, the banking system. It didn't happen because we pulled that back very slowly, very methodically. We were hoping for the same with the COVID recession, but we've got an extra piece to this recession that we didn't have in the 08 recession. And it's those, those supply chain disruptions that we keep hearing so much about. So we've got the, the, metaphorical printing of the money that happened that that forced the inflation issue but then we have this issue also of demand for goods and services that's not being met and that drives prices up mm-hmm. so we've got markets that are really struggling in the wake of this we've also got tensions over in eastern europe with the russia ukraine thing and I don't know about you, but it is a an absolute whiplash to read those stories as they're coming out. One day Russia's pulling their tanks back from the Ukraine border, and then the next day, oh, no, they're not. Yeah, the question is, is, is what's real? Because they say one thing, they're doing another thing. The news, I don't know if we can trust at times, but, you know, it's just it's bizarre. It's a little bit unnerving. That's what it is. It, it is unnerving. And if you're an investor in this market who was already concerned about inflation and what inflation was going to do, you throw that on top of it, and it really, truly feels, it feels really scary. It does. Okay. I am here to tell you today, the sky is not falling. It feels different. Every time we have this sort of, of, of market pullback, every time we have this sort of investing in economic uncertainty, the rally cry is, well, it's different this time. No, my friends, it is not different this time. The catalyst may be different, but the market works in very predictable, very historically du- duplicative, if I may, behavior. 
And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to reassure our listeners that everything will be okay. Mm. Nice. That's the message today, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Okay. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett here today. We appreciate you listening. We're going to take a quick break. We'd love to hear from you at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. You can dial that number now, and Bob will pick up, and we'll talk to you on the radio here in just a minute or so. Stay tuned to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Thanks for listening here today. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea. Call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. And gosh, last Thursday I missed it, and I'm so sorry. Happy birthday! A week ago or so, something like that, right? Uh, two days ago. Oh. Thank you. Oh, just this Thursday. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, not so bad. Happy birthday. Then I'm not so late as I would have been. <laughs> Listen, so. 
it counts during the entire month of February. Oh, good. I'm good. I'm good then. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Did you just call me sir? Almost. <laughs> Almost. You got SI out. <laughs> good times. Good yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, before the break, we were talking about the markets and, and everybody's nervousness. A few, a few little things are playing into this, and we sort of alluded to that before the break. The Fed is actually talking about raising interest rates when they meet in March. Mm. So the Fed's going to be meeting mid-month next month, and they're going to talk about, I believe, not whether to raise rates, but by how much. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Yeah. The, the Fed's got a number of tools at their disposal that they can use to tighten the money supply in our country. And when I talk about the Fed, I'm talking about the United States Federal Reserve Committee. They set monetary policy here in this country. They're a separate entity. They're not a political entity. They're an economic entity. And they get together every six weeks and talk about inflation. They talk about all the different leading economic indicators in our country, and they determine monetary policy. They've been what we call very loose on monetary policy for quite some time. Uh, We've had historically loose monetary policy since the 08 recession, and it got looser in the wake of the COVID recession. And, And we all know this. We're still living it, right? But that loose monetary policy has to tighten back up at some point. And it's usually at a time when the Fed sees inflation starting to heat up. What we heard through most of last year is, hey, inflation is transitory. We're going to see supply chains open back up. We're going to see people go back to work and things will come back down. And we're finding out that this inflation is very persistent. It is not transitory, at least not so far. And the Fed's going to have to step into action. And that's what they did in November. With the November meeting, they started doing what's called tapering. They took, they, they took the current policy, which was in part to buy $140 billion a month of U.S treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And what that does is it takes those securities off the market and puts the money for those securities into the marketplace. That increases liquidity. And during a recession, liquidity is very, very important to keep an economy running. Mm -hmm. So they did that for, oh, a year and a half in the wake of COVID. And in November this past year, they said, okay, we're going to start reducing the number of these bonds and mortgage-backed securities that we buy every month. And we're going to reduce that number every single month until we get back to normal policy. They will be finished with that tapering program by the end of the first quarter. That's when we expect interest rates to start going up. Now, there's been a little bit of public discourse among Fed policymakers, the the members of the Board of Governors at at the Federal Reserve. One Federal Reserve president says he thinks the Fed needs to raise short term rates by a full percentage point by July. So they're looking at by the end of the second quarter, having rates a full percentage point higher than they are right now. You've got another Fed president from San Francisco saying, you know what, we really need to take a very measured approach to this. We definitely need to raise rates, but we need to be very methodical with it. They vote on this when they have their meetings. I'm not sure how this will go in March, but I think everyone should expect an interest rate hike. And at this point, if I'm guessing, which 
it, it's a guess at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a half a percent. That that would be my best guess in March. Isn't that bigger than it's been in a long time now, even so? Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. But we also have inflation that is higher than it has been since the 80s. Yes. Yes. So I think... I think historically high inflation warrants a stronger policy response mm. than we've had to see before. If you'll think back to 2018, the Fed raised interest rates a quarter percentage point because there were some inflationary worries that they had. And so they came in and they did a quarter point a couple of times that right, year. Right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's sort of a wait and see on this. But the good news is this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. It feels scary because we haven't seen this in 40 years, but seven and a half percent inflation is not 20 percent inflation. Yeah, if we're going to throw back to the 80s, I would prefer to listen to music from the 80s than have to deal with this. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Hillary, welcome to the show. And what's your question here today for Dina? Hillary, you're with us. Hello, Hillary. Yes. Oh, okay. How, how Good are morning. you? Good morning. Hi. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good. What's your question? So my question is, I have an a, a IRA, and it matures uh, next month. And I was just wondering, well, what should I really do with it? it it's only, uh, I took it out for like 6500 It's got over $7,000 some dollars in it now. And it's a traditional IRA. Okay, okay. Um, so it's, it's hard to give a recommendation without knowing more of the picture, but in general, I would say to you, thing number one, think about converting that chunk of your money to a Roth IRA. What that means is that you will owe taxes on that money when you file next year, but then you will never, ever owe taxes on it again. You will have taken it from a pre-tax position, which is what a traditional IRA is, and you will be moving it to an after-tax Roth position, which means any earnings that you have on that money from now until you retire and actually start living on the money, all of those earnings will come back to you tax-free. If I'm looking at the lay of the land right now, I'm saying we still have historically low taxes in this country. We have an inflationary economy. We have a government that is looking to to squash inflation and implement a lot of programs to to benefit the American people. And they're going to need tax revenue to do that. And if I'm planning retirement in the next 10, 15, 20 years, I'm saying, you know what? I bet you taxes are going to be higher when I retire than they are today. How do I combat that? I prepay the taxes by converting to Roth. The thing you need to understand about doing a Roth conversion, first of all, that money needs to sit untouched for five years from the year of the conversion. So if you make this Roth conversion, make sure it's money you can't, you don't need to touch over the next five years because there's a penalty if you do and you undo the good tax-free work you were trying to do. Okay? okay. And if I shifted over to, say, the Roth and say I got uh, 7000 about seventy two hundred. I got seven hundred, almost eight hundred dollars interest on it. I would have to pay the taxes on that seventy two hundred, right? That is correct, unless okay. And here's a little asterisk, and and, and here, here's where we go down a rabbit trail, okay? 
if any portion of that IRA was what's deemed a non-deductible IRA contribution, you may not have to pay taxes on the whole 7200 You need to understand whether that bucket of money was entirely pre-tax or whether some of it was not. Because we did it back, I did it back at what, about three, no, it's been almost five years ago. It's for taxes. We, we put it in there so we wouldn't have to pay our, you know, uh, you know, yearly taxes. It protected us that year. Okay, so, so chances are that, chances are the full contribution was deductible, which means the entire 7200 is going to be taxable to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when we're talking... Be- yeah, and when we're talking about IRAs, it is truly a a situation of you're going to be taxed on that money no matter what you do. So do you right. want to pay the taxes today or do you want to pay them later? If you opt to pay them later, you're going to pay taxes on a larger chunk of money than if you opt to pay them today. Right, right. Makes sense. Yes, indeed. And that would be it, like federal would be least 20%. Is that they take that off the top? Is that correct or not? If, you, if you're in the 22% federal income tax bracket, you can expect to pay 22% on the converted amount. Oh, okay. Now, one thing we can do, and, and obviously I can't do this while we're on the air, but we can take a little bit of information and do an estimate for you so that, so that before you do the conversion, you know what to expect. It really depends on what tax bracket you're in. And it may very well be that taking $7,200 right now might push you up into the next tax bracket, in which case we may convert some of it this year, we may convert some of it next year to keep you in the lower tax bracket. Okay. Makes sense? Okay, that's some valuable information. Oh, Great. Pretty, Thank you for the call. If you want to hang on, Bob will get your contact information, and we can get into some more detail with this uh, offline. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Hang yes, in. sir. Thank you for the call. Hang in there, my friend. Bye-bye. All right. It's 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Talk to Dina Arnett here in studio today for Larry Rosenthal. Dina. You know, I, I, I realize it's probably a difficult thing to think about paying taxes on investment dollars while the market's going down. But let me just say, if you are already invested in this market and you have pre-tax dollars that are eligible to be converted to Roth, think with me on this. If I take investments that right now, if they're tracking the Dow, they're down eight and three quarters percent for the year. I can take those investments. I don't have to sell them to convert them. I can take, if I've got... I don't know, pick a stock that's down year to date. If I've got Tesla stock in my IRA and Tesla stock's down, at one point it was down 30%. I don't know what it's down today, but let's use the example. My Tesla stock's down 30% and I want to convert that to Roth IRA. I take the stock, don't cash it, move it into my Roth IRA. I pay taxes on the value that's 30% less put it into the Roth IRA, and then when that Tesla stock comes roaring back, then I have made a really good move. I've taken a depressed investment, paid the taxes on the depressed value, and then it's grown back up. And that new growth on the Roth side of things is not taxable. It is beautiful. This kind of market for people who are willing to look for it, this kind of market provides a lot of opportunity. 
Yeah, it is definitely a buyer's market right now. I mean, everything is down. So. And 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 truly, it's it's hard to see how this will turn around quickly. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have days. We had a day last week where the Dow was up 600 points. It was glorious. And guess what? It was followed by a day when the Dow was down 600 points. <laughs> okay, in this type of market, that's going to happen. And we call that volatility. Mm-hmm. If you are in this market and you've got holdings that are tracking with the S&P or they're tracking with the NASDAQ or they're tracking with the Dow, don't sell them now. People talk about, oh, no, I lost my shirt when the market went down in 2020. Well, if you sold everything when the market was down 30%, you, did, you yeah. sure did. If you're going to be an investor in this market, let me tell you something. You need to expect volatility, and you need to be able to ride it out when it comes because it's always going to come. Mm-hmm. Is this a dollar cost averaging kind of a thing? Should we be doing that now or is that a Oh my goodness. If <laughs> if I am working for an employer that gives me access to a 401k plan or I'm with the federal government and I have the thrift savings plan, I am accelerating the money that's going into that plan because I want my dollars buying more shares, cheaper shares right now. The dollars that you invest in a market like this are the dollars that make you the most money, not the dollars that you invest when the Dow's hitting an all-time high. My. Listen to me when I say this to you. The dollars that you invest today are the dollars that make you the most money. Don't get scared out of this. This is highly opportunistic. And let me tell you why. The stock market, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, They have a 100% track record Mm -hmm. of recovering losses. Mm -hmm. It is the individual investor that mucks it up every time. There was a study that Fidelity did a number of years ago, and they showed over over a span of time what the S&P returned and then what the average investor got of that. So... And forgive me, I don't have the study in front of me, and I don't know if they've updated it for the latest numbers, but the concept is still spot on. Mm -hmm. If the S&P over a five-year span averaged 10%, the average investor got two. (laughs) And the reason for that disparity is because the average investor thinks they can time the market. They cannot. You cannot. I cannot. Larry cannot. Trying to time the market is absolute folly, and it will lose you more money than it ever makes you. If you're going to be a stock investor, buckle up, because you're going to always have a ride of some sort. Put some of that money in now. You know, there's no place in Texas like Amarillo. I love Texas and Amarillo, Texas. Dustin is on the line with us. Hello, Dustin. Are you with us? I knew somebody must be calling from Amarillo because that was way too random otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Are you with us, Dustin? The Yellow City. Yes, ma'am. How are you? Hi, Dustin. Thanks for listening. What can I do for you today? Well, uh, I just had a question. I'm a truck driver, and one of my jobs last year, uh, I was operating as a pretty much as contract as a contractor, uh, and and I left on not very good terms. I have not seen my tax information from this employer yet. Is is there an alternative source I can go to uh, to get whatever he filed with the government 
like just in case he doesn't send it or, you know, it sure, gets lost. Sure. sure. Great question, Dustin. And interestingly enough, I was just having this conversation with my daughter last night because she has a similar situation. She moved. Um, she lived out of state for a number of years. She's back home and she's fighting with a former employer to get her tax documents. There's a couple of things you can do. First of all, after February 28th, because they have until February 28th to get this document out to you. After February 28th, you can file a complaint with the IRS and they will, they will, what they call in legal terms, compel your former employer to produce those tax documents and they can also be fined. The second thing you can do if you prefer not to call, if you prefer not to go down that route, if you've got pay stubs, if you've got all of your pay stubs from last year, you can actually use those in lieu of a tax document from the former employer. But you need to have all of the pay stubs. You can't leave anything okay, so out. And it's a much it's a much harder way to do uh, it. I'm I'm sorry, there must be a delay. I'm sorry. I was just gonna That's say okay. he paid me mostly on an app on my phone, like Cash App. And so like that non-confrontational paper trail is that's not really available. Is there a, a third option? Not really. Not really. Okay. Not really. Now, what you can do, I want you if you haven't done this already, I want you to call your employer. I want you to speak with him or someone in his if there's an HR department or if there's an accounting department, it may be better to speak with someone, not that employer, but somebody on their payroll. Give them your current address. Request formally that they send you your tax documents. Every single time you call them, you document who you spoke with. You document the phone number that you called and the time that you called and what happened in that phone call. And you keep records like that because... If you don't have pay stubs and they haven't sent you a tax document, I, I'm afraid you're going to have to go down the route of contacting the IRS and saying, look, I have an employer who is not cooperating with me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it would just be just him. So <laughs> ah. careful of your uh, business, business bedfellows. <laughs> well, best of luck to you, Dustin. I hope that works out. You take care and be safe out there. I appreciate that, and I'd like to give you a compliment uh, on your phone screeners. An unsung hero <laughs> to the radio show is the call screener. That's you know, Bob. Uh, probably gets more slack than anything, but you've got a good crew. They do a great job connecting, you know, to the person, me, and... Uh, I just like to give credit where credit's due. Well, thank you for that. So, you're turning Bob's face red right now on YouTube. Whatever you're doing, you're doing a great job, and keep it up. That's thank awesome. You, sir. Thanks, Dustin. Take care. We love Bob. We do love Bob. Bob's great. Bob's awesome. Awesome. Yep. Can't yeah. do this without him. We would not be able to. Good job, Bob. Indeed. Indeed. Appreciate that. So, yeah, um, it is tax season, and sometimes we have difficulty getting our tax documents. Let me just say, if you, if you have investment accounts that generally generate 1099s, 
a lot of times those 1099s get an extension for reporting until February 28th. So if you don't yet have your 1099s from your taxable investment accounts, chances are the custodian has been granted an extension. That's a, a pretty normal thing because custodians have to wait for the various mutual fund and ETF companies to report back to them before they can issue the 1099s. Mm. I know we all like to get our taxes done first thing in the year and get that off our plate. Sometimes it's just a little harder than that. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, Dustin's case is it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you, you could say to the employer something like, you know, I really don't want to have to do this, but I'm going to have to call the, the you know, the IRS. And then that's it's just an ugly situation, unfortunately. With well, and you don't want to have to do that, but it is good to know what your recourse is in the sure. event you need to exercise. And he doesn't even have to say anything. You can do it anyway if he has to. But, yeah. That's it, right. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Let's take a quick break, Dina, and we'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in here today. Coming up in just a minute. Stay tuned. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. sound financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. this is the larry rosenthal show sure glad you've joined us 855-767-3123 to talk to dina arnett who's in studio with us for larry who's taking a little bit of time off here today 855-767-3123 love to hear from you Give us a call, Larry, uh, Dina. You're you're just determined to call me sir Dina, today, aren't sir you, sir or Dina, <laughs> or sir or Larry or something? You know, what can that's I okay. Say? I'll give you a break. I haven't seen you this year uh, yet. Okay, I tell you what, Dan, you got to help me out here. Dan's calling from yeah, Fredericksburg. Yeah, hey, uh, this is Dan from Fredericksburg. <laughs> Glad to have hey, you Dan. here. I've got a quick. Hi, I've got a quick question. Um, I took a four hundred one k distribution in twenty twenty. Uh, it was one of those emergency, you know, mm-hmm. relief ones. And so I did get a 1099 in 2020, and I paid taxes on it in 2021. But then I got another uh, 401. Uh, I didn't take a. I got another 1099 for 2021 for a 401k distribution that I did not take, nor did I request one. So uh, I've called back to my employer's HR department and that sort of thing, and uh, they just they keep going around 
around trying to work with the company that oversees the 401k, but um, I'm trying to get my taxes done, and I've got a, a, a 1099 for a distribution I did not take. What do you recommend I do? Okay, question for you. When you took the COVID relief distribution from your 401k and you paid the taxes in 2021, did you pay the taxes on the entire distribution or did you opt to pay those taxes over three years? I did opt to pay them over three years. That's a good point. Then you should expect to get 1099s for three years. So I think I think what is going on here is that they taxed you for a third of it in 2021. They're going to tax you for a third of it in 2022. They're going to tax you for a third of it in 2023. Don't know without looking at the documents from last year and what you've gotten this year, but I'd go down that rabbit trail first because if that's not what's going on, then you're not going to get to file your taxes on in a timely fashion until this gets situated. If it turns out that this is something different than having to stretch those taxes over three years, you're still going to have to file with the IRS. You're still going to have to file documentation. And I think you're going to still have to file an extension until it gets all straightened out. Wow. Okay. Sorry. All right. Um, okay. But I, I suspect if you opted to pay the taxes over three years, that's what you've got going on. Well, but here's the problem with that is, you know, it was a it was a twenty a uh, fifteen thousand dollar distribution. Mm. Okay. And so um, the original ten ninety nine that I got was for fifteen thousand, of which twenty one hundred dollars was taken out for tax. Now the the ten ninety nine that I got for twenty twenty one is for twelve thousand nine hundred. If it were a third of the 15, original fifteen thousand, I would agree with you. But mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's uh, it's for the net amount, which is strange. Well, so if you took out fifteen thousand and they withheld twenty one hundred for taxes, the only thing left to pay taxes on is the net amount. Yep. So, but I I, I've already paid taxes on the distribution. That's what that $2,100 was. You paid a portion of the taxes, I think. Okay. I, I, st I, want, yeah. I want you to go down this three-year rabbit trail because I think that's what you've got going on. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, sir. Take care. I hope it works out. Okay. Bye-bye. See you Bye. then. Tina's on the line with us from Virginia. Welcome aboard, Tina. Tina. Hi, Tina. Hi. I was calling because um, I'm turning 73 next month in March. Happy birthday, early! I was told early. that I needed to take money from out of my uh, 403B and move it to some other place and that I would be taxed on it. So uh, wh what shall I do and when do I move it? Great question. Tina, what you're talking about is what the IRS calls a required minimum distribution. And what the IRS says is that if you've got money in a 403B that has never, ever been taxed, once you hit 72 years old, you have to start taking that money out and you have to pay the taxes on it. And the IRS isn't bothered by anything you choose to do with that money after the taxes are paid. So you can use it to make improvements on your home, you can reinvest it. You just can't put it back into the 403B.
So what you what you've got is is you've actually straddled uh, straddled a couple of IRS rules here. So you turned seventy two last March. Yeah. Your your first required minimum distribution was technically due to be taken in 2021, but the IRS gives you an opportunity to delay that until April 1 of the next year. So we're now in the next year, and what that means is you're going to have to take distribution number one, which was due last year, and you're also going to have to take distribution number two, which is due this year. And then you're going to have a distribution every single year for the rest of your life or until the account is depleted. So this is something that if you don't do it, the penalty is severe. You have a 50% penalty if you don't take the distribution. So the distribution, your, your age 72 distribution, you need to take that no later than April 1st this year. Okay. In terms of what to do with it, um, thing number one, you need three to six months of cash in an emergency fund. If you don't have that, this distribution would be a nice step toward that. If you've already got your emergency fund set up and it's got your three to six months worth of money in there, you don't need to put more in it because cash isn't earning a great return these days. So what you can do is you can open up what's called a taxable investment account and you can use that distribution money to invest for the future. You can use that to save for later, either for yourself, for a charity, for uh, kids or grandkids, you can do literally anything you want to do with that money. Now, the the distribution can also be directly donated to charity. And if you do it that way, it doesn't go on your tax return and you don't know the taxes on that distribution and neither does the charity. So you've got a lot of options for that distribution, Tina. So charity is one of them. Yes, ma'am. And- and another one is um, I get, um, could I will it to my uh, children? Well, you can, but you're still going to have to take the distribution, and you're still going to have to pay the taxes on it. Okay. Now, what's the step that I do in order to do that, to go in and do this? Because I've, I've tried to reach my uh, um, the holders of the funds that I've been putting in. Mm-hmm. And I have not been able to reach them. Oh, and, goodness. Um, so I, I need to know exactly where. Um, should I just uh, call IRS and let them know that I need to pay these taxes? Or no, I- ma'am. No, ma'am. You don't need to go that route at all. In fact, what I would like for you to do, I'd like for you to hold on. Don't hang up when I finish with you. Hold on. Bob's going to get your contact information, and one of our advisors can actually get on a conference call with you and the custodian of that 403B plan and get this ball rolling for you. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, Tina, hang in there. Thank you. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 is the phone number to call. Um, and let's talk to Andy in uh, Camel, California. Okay, well, I don't know. Wow, where... you're up early. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I know where Camel oh, is. Yeah, I'm going to a horse event. Oh, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome aboard. So I'm in my car. Try... God bless you. What, what can I do for you? Okay, so um, I am concerned about uh, if it's okay for my financial advisor 
to be also my tax uh, person. I, I feel a little uncomfortable about her having that much control, and, uh, but I don't know. Is that except? Does that happen all the time, or is that? I won't say it happens all the time, but but let me just say this to you, Andy. You know, my my sweet departed mom had a saying, and it used to drive me crazy. Okay. But it's uh, the older I get, the truer I know this to be. My mom used to tell me, "When in doubt, don't." If your if if your gut is telling you that this is just not comfortable, that you need a clear line of demarcation between your tax person and your financial advisor, then go with that. Listen to your gut. Your 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 spidey senses are tingling, perhaps for a reason. But the bottom line of it is, if you're not comfortable, you don't do it. Okay. Okay. There's right. nothing well. there's nothing inherently uh unethical with that. I know that those types of firms do exist. Um and I can see some upside to that, right? If if your tax person is also the person who's who's guiding your investments, it's one person. You don't have two people who need to figure out how to talk to one another. That same person has access yeah. to all of that tax status. So that's that's a definite upside to this. But I go back to my original comment to you. If you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Okay. There's nothing I wrong with you. it I being two that. There's nothing wrong with it being two separate people. Uh-huh. Okay. We've always had two separate people. And then this year my husband thought um that it would be good to have her do it because she pushes us, you know, she wants us to do it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. You know, I admire people who can do both. I don't, I think that would be stretching me a bit too thin to do both the financial planning side of things and the tax side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My two cents. Okay, well, thank you very much. I yes, appreciate ma'am. it. Have fun at the horse show. Yeah, good luck with that. Take care. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Dina Arnett, who is live here in studio today. So I was talking earlier about not trying to time the market. I want to give you a few reasons why it's a bad idea to try to time the market. Now, the obvious first reason not to time the market is there's no guaranteed way to do it. Okay? There is no way to know when the market is going to hit a bottom so that you can get out now and and avoid the downside. And there's no way to guarantee that you will know when to get back in. I think back to the 08 recession, and I'm telling you what, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but that was a really stressful time as a financial advisor because we kept getting all of this terrible news and it truly did feel at times, like the sky was falling. That was the first time I had ever seen the market drop a 1,000 points, and it did so in a span of about eight minutes one day in October. <laughs> I'm surprised of, you of didn't develop a tick or 08. something back in that Oh, day. I did. I did. <laughs> My eye was twitching. Um, you know, so so it's it's a natural feeling. It's a natural urge to say, you know what, I want to avoid as much pain as I can possibly avoid. I'm going to sell everything today, and I'm going to wait I'm going to wait until the market bottoms out, and then I'll get back in. Mm. The problem with that ideology is that, first of all, there is no guarantee whatsoever that if you sell your stuff today that the market's going to go down more from here. 
you don't know. Mm-hmm. But the bigger issue with that is by the time it's time to get back into the market, it still feels horrible. It still feels scary. It still feels very, very risky. You will not be emotionally ready to get back into the market. You'll still be too scared. That's true. I've today, seen it right over now. and well, yeah, I've seen it over and over and over again. It's real easy to push that button and make a sell decision. But the buyback in decision is excruciating. Mm. The The bottom of the market from the 08 recession was in March of 09. And the thing that we were all watching for to give us kind of the all clear was this change in what they call mark to market accounting. It's beyond what we're talking about today, but it was a thing we were watching for. We knew it could come and it did. And it was at that point that the market turned around, but we were still getting all sorts of terrible banking system news. We were getting all sorts of terrible news about foreclosures and the housing market. And it was not obvious. It wasn't a pretty time. It was not. Hmm. So the time to get back in the market is really at the height of pessimism, but you just don't know. And there's no computer algorithm out there that is going to give you the answer. Because trust me, if that existed, Chris, (laughs) we'd be be streaming this show live from a beach in Bora Bora. Amen. Hey, Nathan is calling us from Sterling. Nathan, what's your question here for Dina? Hey, Nathan. Hi. What can I do for you? Well, first of all, thanks for taking my call. And I have a question about Roth IRAs. I do have a Roth IRA, and I only opened it uh, last year. But I understand that, and what I want to check with you is, that when you take a withdrawal from a Roth IRA, the IRS counts it as your contributions coming out first. And I also understand, and is what I really want to check with you, is that you can actually take your contributions out from a Roth IRA without being concerned by the five-year rule. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. It, it, is, it is very technically correct. Whenever you make a Roth IRA contribution, you're making that contribution with after-tax money. After-tax money is your money whenever you want to take it. But here's the caution on doing that. Let's say you put $10,000 into your Roth IRA last year. You made a little bit of money on it last year, and now that money has depleted in value because of everything that's going on. So you'll take your money back out. You may take out a little bit less than you put in, just depending on how it was invested. And now what you've done is absolutely technically allowable. You've done something that won't hit your tax return, but guess what you've also done? You've cut off at the knees what you tried to accomplish by putting the money in in the first place. To have tax-free earnings, that money needs to sit there. Now, I realize that sometimes things happen and you have to access the money. And that's why the IRS has got that fail-safe in there that you can take your contributions and not run afoul of that five-year rule. I see. Okay. Well, great. I appreciate the explanation. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Take care. And uh, let's talk to Cindy in the remaining minutes we have here from Bethesda. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Dina. Hi. Uh, my question is, is it still good to invest in I-bonds? It's something that you recommended uh, some time ago when you were on the program. Um, because, you know, inflation is still 
going to happen for a while. I really do still like the I-bonds. It's, it's, it's a very, very nice way to invest money conservatively, and it also gives you a better return than they've given in quite some time precisely because of the little addition to the interest that they give you when inflation is running high. I think it's going to take a couple of years for inflation to come back into normal range. Depending on who you listen to, Bank of America says that by the end of the year, inflation is back at three and a half percent. I think that I think that's a very optimistic view. If you are looking for a place for a conservative investment where you can take advantage of some interest crediting due to inflation, absolutely. I like it. I like it a lot. My caution to you is that's not the only place to invest your money. It's going to give you a nice return in high inflationary periods. But over time, as inflation starts to come down, the interest crediting that you get on those I-bonds will also come down. So make sure that that's not the only thing you're doing. Right. But they also have, a max, I guess, a maximum that you can invest is 10000 yes, right? Yes, Yes, so ma'am. if I have more than ten thousand, I'm okay with investing ten thousand. Uh, and how long do I have to keep that? You've got to keep it for at least a year. Okay. You've got to keep it for at least a year. But if you want to keep every shred of interest that you make, you've got to keep it for five. For five. Because, yes, ma'am. Okay. Because if you keep and, it for less than five, they're going to penalize you a little bit of the interest. Okay. The other thing I want to ask is if somebody else, like, you know, if uh, my sister also invested in it, can she pass that to me? Because I, if I'm only, because I only have a maximum of 10. So she, we have additional money and she invested under her name, but can she transfer it to me at some point? She can list. Maybe. She can list you as a beneficiary. That way, if God calls her home, you'll inherit it. Oh, okay. Just list me as a beneficiary. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay, that's it. I thank you. I because I did it last year, uh, and and I guess I can do it again this year. Yes, ma'am. You can. Okay. Thank you for your thank you for your information. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. Take care, Cindy. All right, 855-767-3123 is the number to call, but we're kind of almost here out of time. So uh, in the remaining minute and a half, we can sort of summarize what we've been talking about, I guess. Well, we've been talking about everything. I've been, I've, I've been hopefully driving home the idea not to try and time this market. If you're going to be an equity investor, be ready for the ride. That said, I want to make an offer to anyone listening here today. If you feel like the roller coaster that you're on with your investments is an extreme ride, probably you've got some risk things going on in the portfolio that you're unaware of. I will do for anyone who calls in or emails, I will do a free risk assessment for you so that you understand what's going on in your portfolio and why. I'll also go through and I'll tell you if you've if you're overexposed to any one sector, like maybe technology, and it'll help you make some decisions about your investments during this really volatile time. But make no mistake, the sky isn't falling. Mm. This too shall pass. Sure. Good to see you today, Dina. Thanks for being awesome on the show. Awesome to see you. We'll catch you again next time. 
Yes, for sir. Dina Arnett and uh, Bob in the back, who is our lovely screener today and getting lots of We love Bob. Yeah, he's getting a lot of compliments today, too. He's going to go to his head, so we've got to be careful about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening today. We appreciate you. Take care and have a great week. We'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.